Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Conscious Dating. And I have a conversation with Phoenix Bartolos. I've known Phoenix here in the Asheville area for almost 19 years. He has a healing practice here in Asheville, North Carolina, where he is a licensed massage and bodywork therapist. He's also a shadow work facilitator, a higher alignment coach, inner presence coaching. He's also a certified shamanic breathwork facilitator. And in his practice, he coaches couples to learn compassion, presence, and understanding. And he also coaches singles to discover their essential nature and identify compatible partners and nurture conscious relationships in romance and business. So he was a great person to talk about conscious dating. And we explored reasons for putting more consciousness in dating, what things we will or won't repeat, in these future relationships, we stress working on ourselves, loving ourselves, and also the physical signs of neglecting our boundaries. We also talked about the subject of online dating and what to look out for when looking on online profiles. We also talked about assessing compatibility, especially communication, and self-forgiveness, self-love, and slowing it down. And I want to tell you again about a couple's workshop that my wife and I, Ivana Rainbow, are giving in Asheville on Saturday, April 27th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's called The Power of Appreciation for Couples. In this workshop, you're going to learn the keys of unlocking the power of appreciation in your relationships. You know, genuine appreciation, regardless of how simple or profound, has been proven to bring an immediate shift to the quality and closeness of loving relationships. And our Power of Appreciation Workshop for Couples will teach you the necessary skills and fundamental process of enriching your relationships with your partner and deepening the connection and enhancing the flow of positivity. To learn more about the Power of Appreciation Workshop for Couples, check out heartsharecounseling.com for more information about the workshop and how to register. And I want to give a shout out to a few people who recently this week have donated and supported my podcast. I want to thank Jan in California and Elaine in Florida and also Ian in England. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And those of you that are inclined to do so, you can check out my website, heartsharecounseling.com or the show notes on this episode for hyperlinks to support the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Okay, everybody, hope you enjoy this conversation on conscious dating with Phoenix Bartos. So 
I'd love to talk about it because I know that you're you've been very passionate and have a huge interest in people getting very conscious and very authentic in their relationships because of your history with relationships and trying to figure them out. And now you're in a very healthy relationship right now and you've done a lot of work to that. What did you find? Like, What were some of the nuggets that you had to do for yourself in order to realize, I, I wanna do this this relationship thing and starting off meeting this person in a conscious way, you know, the, you know, we call it conscious dating, but it's the aspect of really getting to, to know and to be known by somebody. What were some of the nuggets that you did in order to really shift some of the patterns that didn't serve you from the past? Yeah. Yeah. So step one is learning to love yourself. Conscious dating, being in a conscious relationship means first being conscious with, with who I am. And what that means is is going back and forgiving myself for for not showing up in ways that that I would have liked to have, and starting to appreciate, starting to share some appreciations with myself about what is working and what I love and and the things that show up in my life that are beautiful and and meaningful and contribute to other people. Did you ever struggle with that forgiving yourself for not doing that? I did. The hardest one for me was that I've got a fairly assertive streak. And, you know, sometimes I can come across to others as being, being a bully or always having to have it my way. Well, you know, in certain situations that can be a really beneficial quality, you know, when you're, when you're trying to move something forward, move a project forward to have somebody who's willing to be there at the beginning and stay to the end and do whatever it needs needs to take to get it done. That was a hard one to forgive myself for and, and just see the beauty in that because I had gotten so much feedback around how it's has hurt other people or you did more of that healing and the forgiveness work before you entered into your present relationship when I was single yeah yeah and what, what do you say to people about can they do it in relationship or do you feel that a lot of the work has to be individualized outside of the relationship either or and mm-hmm. I don't think one is better than the other right. yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, reflection that that I received from my partner so that becomes the medium for self-awareness and self-understanding. One of the things I, find, I found, because, because I didn't have much time in between my first two relationships, and I did before this last one that, I, that I'm in now, is that I was able to focus more energy on myself. And I think I would recommend to people that, that they have a good six months to a year between relationships to be able to remove themselves from that last situation yeah. and, and find find ground again. Yeah, and to feel what it feels like to be alone, to be okay with being alone. There's a lot that came up for me around that. Uh, I, I, I'm a big, strong guy, and believe it or not, I was I was crying at nighttime because I was, I was so lonely. And what it was was I just wasn't comfortable with myself. So you had to like learn to be friends with yourself in another way. Who am I? Right. Who am I? And I would take myself on dates. I'd, nice. go, I'd go to the movies. Uh, and sometimes I would I feel so horrible. Like, oh, I'm at the movies all by myself. Uh, eventually I got to the place where I felt better and better. I'd buy myself flowers mm. and play music that I like to listen to. And That's what I tell a lot of people. A lot of people that are breaking up and they're on their own. I'm, I ask them, so do you go out to dinner by yourself? No, I would never do that. Do you go to a movie? No. I said, go start doing that. Go start being comfortable with treating yourself in a way that you would show up with somebody else. Because how could you be authentic in a 
in a situation of like dating somebody else and courting somebody else and being in a relationship with somebody else if you don't feel comfortable doing that to yourself. Yeah. And starting to have deeper conversations with my guy friends too. Mm. Um, you know, so typically we would talk about sports or play sports or do things that were more superficial. And so starting to, to say, you know, what are some of the things that you struggle with and starting to be vulnerable and share some of the things that I struggle with and, and taking the conversation to a higher level between us was a good way for me to grow and also a good way for me to practice being able to do that in, in the next relationship that was to come. So when you're having these conversations with people and you know what's out there, like all this online dating and the profiles that come up and you shared earlier with me of that's your, your first relationship when you, when you were younger, a lot of that was the physical attraction and the sexual hormones that came up. And that happens a lot with people on online dating. To, Ooh, do I like what I'm looking at or do I not like what I'm looking at? So going through that phase, as you said, and then getting more intellectualized to this person, do they fit? my compatibility do we have these in common and do we have the same viewpoint same value system then there's another extraneous aspect like you're talking about who am i what do i feel comfortable with irregardless of what the other person is doing or not doing yeah how have you guided people through yeah some of that reprogramming yeah there's two points the first is that I mean, most guys, when they get online and they start looking at potential partners, they just scroll through the pictures. And if they're attracted to the way that person looks, they like them and they send them a little note. So the first thing I, I do is I tell people to not look at the pictures. No. So just read the... Uh, read read uh, what they have to say about themselves. Uh, uh, what, uh. what religion are they? What are some of their hobbies? Do they have kids? And only pursue the ones that actually have something substantial down there. They're revealing a little bit about themselves. They're wanting to have a deeper connection than what's what's superficial. So not let the physical aspect get in the way at all and or to be the priority of what's underneath it. The second is writing a, a profile that reflects where you're wanting to go in a relationship. You know, a lot of people, they say, oh, I don't want this. I don't want that. You know, don't want a smoker. I don't want somebody who's who's um, a particular religion or somebody who watches sports all the time. Put what you do want. So put your intentions into your profile so that that you can send a message out, not just to the opposite sex or, or a potential partner if you're same sex, but to the universe hmm. about what you're trying to draw into your life. I love telling couples too of when they're getting clear of what they want. It's also really getting good and clear about what kind of partner that they want to be. Yeah. You know, for me, it was a big shift to be able to go, what kind of partner do I want to be? If I want to be patient, if I want to be kind, if I want to be honest, how would that look like day to day with somebody? How would I show up? Yeah. And it was really interesting to me is, is when I started doing more of that, then I attracted somebody that actually was doing more of that themselves, yeah. you know? And a lot of times I tell couples when I'm working with them, it's also like, don't worry about what your partner's doing and not doing. What kind of partner do you wanna be? Police yourself, don't police your partner. Yeah. There's a lot of really good skills that I teach people around around online dating. A couple other things that are that I find are really helpful is, is when you meet somebody that you think is a prospect, do something different than what you normally would do. So, you know, if you have the regular place where you go eat, meet for coffee or, you know, go to this park and you go for a walk, 
do something new and different that's not some of your familiar patterns. The second thing is when you're on that date, take turns sharing who leads and who follows. Mm. You may decide, well, let's go to a movie. And then after the movie, let her decide. We're going to go for ice cream or whatever it might be. So so you get to see what it's like when both of you have have the leadership and, and also is following the other person. So it's kind of like learning to tango together. So you, you get a feel for how the person shows up when they're when they're either in the, the more submissive surrender role or they're in the let's take take charge role. When you took your education in Boulder and you were in between relationships and that was an aspect that you were really working on yourself after, as you talked about to me earlier, the, the real challenging relationship that you lost yourself in. Yeah. And so I'm imagining that you were wanting to find yourself to be able to know who the hell am I going to be in a relationship if, I, if I'm going to have one. Because yeah. one aspect you said, you even kind of gave up that whether you would have one or not. Yeah. What, what drew you to that education? And can you talk a little bit about what you learned there? Yeah, you know, that potluck workshop, that mini workshop that that woman put on, it, the light went off of my head. It's like, oh my God, all these years, I'm not broke. I've just been attracting myself to people that we had the, the least possible chance of being successful. Mm. Maybe if I just shifted my radar from the boobs, you know, from the intellectual attraction, from the codependency to somebody who's more similar to me, Maybe there's a possibility that we could have a more meaningful, uplifting relationship. Do you learn anything about any compatibility? I remember a conversation we had a while ago, some compatibility even about physical features. So, you know, part of what I do when I coach people is we we can look at profile pictures on Match.com and you can pick up a lot of information just by the way a person's posture is, whether they're looking straight at you or looking to the side, whether or not they're trying to put on kind of a facade of who they are or whether or not they're coming through authentically in the picture. There's a lot of information that you can discern from the way a person carries themselves, especially in the dating scene. People try to put their best foot forward. So there's some phoniness there for most of us, right. you know, when we're, when we're putting ourselves out there in the world. We, yeah, want, we want to be seen for the best of who we are. Right. So how to be able to see behind that? What's really going on for that person? Such a challenge with that online date. I've never done online dating. And I just imagine, you know, there's a certain amount of hit that we can get through a picture or through a screen. For me, there's a whole different aspect of like sensing, my body sensing somebody that's next to me, you know? Is my body comfortable with this person? You know, unconsciously, do I like their smell in some way? Do the way that they just walked through space, am I intrigued by the way that they maneuvered away through that space or how they're talking to this person? And unfortunately, through online dating, we don't get that first hit in that in that way. Yeah. Um, most people aren't going to like what I have to say about this. Go it, for it, baby. <laughs> people say, come on, give it to me, give it to me. We'll see. We'll be the judge of that. So you go on this first date, right? And uh, you're sitting next to the person and and you feel your palms starting to sweat and you feel your heart starting to race a little bit and you know you're getting a little hot around the neck and we we interpret that as, oh man, I'm really attracted to this person. 
Well, what's happening is, is our body is going into shock. <laughs> <laughs> and when that happens, ain't no consciousness there at all. Not at all. We've completely right. let go of our frontal lobe and, right. and let the chemicals take over. And what I suggest to people is that they actually avoid having sex for at least three months when they meet somebody new to give their circuitry a chance to calm down mm. and be able to see the person for who they really are as opposed to seeing them through the, that excitement. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And also that really enables people to really establish a foundational friendship. You bet. You know, without all that influence that even coming in with sexual history and the challenges and the obstacles that people might come in from a past aspect of, of their sexual relationships, right? They're not having sex, then they're on a whole different playing ground. You bet. But that takes a lot, a lot of discipline for people. A lot it of people, does. Probably it people, does. A lot of people are saying, yeah, you're right. I don't like what you're saying. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I lose yeah. a lot of clients when I, when I say three months. <laughs> Actually, the school I went to, they, they taught it six months, but six I, months. I, I found that uh, uh, most people, <laughs> most people can't do that. Can't mm -hmm. do three. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think when you start a sexual relationship with people, the, the physicalness of now being energetically intertwined in some way, it's very difficult to find that sense of self again. Yeah. And because you're yearning for that merging, conscious dating really has more of the focus on, let me be conscious of myself. What, what am I feeling? What are my emotions doing? How am I perceiving this interaction? Yeah. What's my own stuff? What can I own? So the consciousness is really about really knowing thyself. Is that right? You betcha. And, you know, so ultimately what happens is you can come to the relationship as fully 100% you. The other person can come to the relationship fully 100% them. And then you can co-create this third thing, which is the relationship itself. I hate that bullshit in the movies. You know, you complete me. That, you know, uh, that's a, that only happens in the movie. That, that means I'm half broken, you're half broken, together we make a whole. Yeah. It doesn't work in real life no, at all. No. Why do you think people are so petrified to like work on their own shit instead of getting so involved with somebody else? Well, I know for, for myself, I just, I just really didn't love myself. Yeah. You know? I think people are afraid to find out yeah. what they will find out. Yeah. Is there anybody fucking home? Yeah. Yeah. So some of the shame that might come up or, the lack of love. Well, so many of us are struggling. Right. It's an epidemic and mm. and people are starting to wake up. They're starting to to ask questions and and in that in that waking up process there's a lot of tripping and falling and god, that didn't work and that hurt and, mm -hmm. and it's really painful. So self-compassion really comes in that this whole process. Yeah. yeah. Any profound moments that you had of self-compassion in this process for you throughout your relationships until you felt you you were more of yourself to, to give in a relationship? Any any profound moments? It was daily. Yeah. I found myself, you know, I got into a practice of, of waking up in the morning and just before I got out of bed, lying there and putting my arms around myself and just stroking my shoulder and going, hey man, you're all right. You're, you're a good guy. And just staying there as long as I needed to, to really parent myself, mm. just show myself the love that, that I had always wanted to receive from a partner, be my own lover, be my own, my own partner. I think in that way too, for me, I know 
when I'm fooling myself then. You know, I know like when I'm truly loving myself or when I'm making a decision that isn't really serving me. So the more that I'm parenting myself and really loving myself, then I know like, whoa, 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 you just did something or made a decision that's not loving and not serving for you. And I think that also helps people when red flags start coming up in relationships because that's a real challenge of all of a sudden people are together and they're going and it's going smooth, but they don't, some of the red flags, either they totally avoid them or they look at a red flag and they bolt. Yeah. What, what happens when people are, uh, start having some of the challenges and these red flags start coming up. What, what do you what do you tell people to look at? Yeah. So myself, I get I get headaches when I say yes when I mean no, mm. and that's that's the big one for me. Is I'm quick to say yes to things, and the practice that I've had to do is is just let the first words come out of my mouth be no, and and then be able to go no, not right now, but I'm gonna think about it and I'll get back to you, as opposed to wanting to people please and say yes to everything. And the next thing I know, I'm just overwhelmed with all the things I have to do and, and then start to get resentful. Mm-hmm. So phys- I get physical signs, you know, I'll get a gut feeling or I'll get a headache. And when that happens, I, I know that, that I've neglected my boundaries. Yeah, I, I see people sometimes they, they break out in rashes. I knew somebody that was uh, dating somebody and the first time they were gonna come over, I think, either get a massage or sleep over from their, th- this new partner, they broke out in a whole rash all over their body and their body was saying, nope. That's yeah. a sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sign. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, like the, this word conscious dating or conscious uncoupling, why do you think that's a buzzword, should we say, or getting really popular of this conscious dating? What, what is it to you? Yeah, I think people are starting to wake up and they're and they're wanting to show up in every aspect of their life with more awareness. And you know, whether it's parenting or or getting married or getting divorced or even buying a house, you know, taking a step back, taking a few deep breaths and really taking a look at you know, today we don't need to get married for the same reasons that maybe our parents needed to 50 mm-hmm. years ago or hundred years ago, you know, you just got married and the guy went off to war and you came back and you started a family. And, you know, a lot of it was keeping the family together, whether it was an Italian family or a Jewish family or a, or a, a Russian family, you just, you married people that made sense to marry and you did what you needed to do to, to main, maintain safety in the, in the community. And, you know, nowadays, um, you know, especially, you know, since the sixties and women have, have developed more power and and can be their own breadwinner. We don't need to be in relationships so much for the reasons we needed to before. So being with somebody can be, well, what kind of projects might we do together? What might we create together? How can we, are we better together than being Hmm. apart? Yeah, Yeah, that's a great question. I know I asked people, I've asked myself, "Do do I like myself? in this relationship? Do I feel I'm a better person in this relationship? Not that that this person makes me a better person, but me in the relationship, Yeah. do I feel like I'm a better person? Yeah, I like that. And, yeah. and so the relationship I'm in now, it does. I, I continue to feel better and better about who I am in that relationship. And it's been five years that Avian and I have been together and we're around each other 24-7. And when we see each other, we not only do we 
rejuvenate each other. We recharge each other's batteries, but we, we inspire each other to do even more together. And it's, it's just a whole different place than being in a relationship out of fear, being in a relationship because I don't want to be alone, being in a relationship because I need somebody to complete me, being in a relationship because the sex is good. Right. When you're working with either individuals or couples in your coaching practice, what do you tell them differently of an individual who says, hey, I'm not really having luck or I'm not meeting the right person or um, I'm not attracting the right person? Do you tell them anything different in some basis to look at that you would a couple that's having challenges? Well, a couple that's having challenges, the, the big piece to focus on for them is to start to have compassion for the other person. What tends to happen is they get to a place where, where they start to project a lot of stuff onto the other person and seeing that, that they're doing things to uh, sabotage the relationship by, by showing up the way that they're showing up. So get, getting the partners to be able to say, hey, you know, your partner is just introverted. She's just introverted. She's not trying to spoil your fun. She just mm. likes to stay home and really appreciate and honor that this human being is introverted and, and appreciate that in the person. When you're single, it's more about how to expand your bandwidth because we get tunnel vision. We get attracted to a, a similar pattern. So uh, allowing people to put themselves in situations where they may, may not be exposing themselves to what's familiar to them. Yeah. When you, when you would talk about that couple about like accepting the other person, what came to me, I heard one time when one person particularly was kind of uh, aloof, they would, once they were touched, they would just move away or disengage. And I was telling this person to try to accept maybe that it, maybe they're like a cat person. When I am petting my cat and my cat is close to me, all of a sudden for no reason, that freaking, he just leaves. I don't judge him. He's being a cat. Yeah. And I know he's going to come back soon or another time. And that's really difficult with some people about how some people might break away from maybe that intensity. It just might be an aspect of characteristic sensitivity yeah. as opposed to some un underlying avoidance issues that some people are just cat people. Yeah. Seems like people, they will often take it personally. Right. Well, the person pushed me away because they don't like me. They don't care about me. They don't love me. You know, they want some distance from me because I'm repulsive or, you know, there's something wrong with me. And really they're just a cat person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious because I, I love that you do have on your website conscious dating sessions. Do do you ever have somebody just call you and say, "What the hell is this conscious dating thing? Like, <laughs> wh what are you going to do? Are you are you a dating service or how are you going to help me?" Yeah. Do, did you ever have people, or, or or is it more people saying, "Yes, I I want to learn how to do this differently," or I'm just starting a relationship. I want to do it consciously. Yeah. I think that's the other benefit of, of labeling it conscious dating is it, it kind of weeds out the people that are <laughs> that want to buffoon it in some ways. Right. You know, I don't get a lot of hecklers or, or people that are wanting to, to sabotage it. It's it's people that have been feeling a lot of pain and, mm. and frustration and, and really want to take it to the next level. You, you gave a couple of tips. When somebody says, I do want to have a process of conscious dating, 
what would you tell them to start working on? The first thing that we would do is we would identify what their, their compatibility factors are for that person. There's 15 of them. One of them we talked about was, was pacing. Another one was whether introverted or extroverted. There's 15 different compatibility mm-hmm. factors that I use to, to help person get in touch with what their essential nature is, what makes them unique, what makes them different and beautiful and wonderful, the way, you know, their love language. What are the things that, that make them who they are? So people have to answer that pretty honestly about themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. As opposed to how they want to project themselves. Yeah. That's where I come in because uh-huh. when people take tests, they usually do. They, they answer it the way they want to be, be seen. Right. And so it becomes a conversation where we discover really what's authentic for that person. And a lot of times, because of my training, I'm able to be critical in a, in a sensitive way where they, they're able to, to go a little bit deeper about, but yeah, the way I respond in this situation, it's, it's really not natural for me, but I've been doing it because that's the way that's the way I was trained to do it in my family. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, no, I actually am introverted. I'm not extroverted. I just, you know, everybody in my family did that. And if I stayed home, I would get made fun of. And, and really what feels more comfortable for me is going out once a month. And then is the other levels of once assessing compatibility? Because I, I tell clients, I, I see clients that say, you know, compatibility is important, but there's another aspect. Because let's say you have all these interests in common. You love to go kayaking together. But if you're freaking arguing at each other and calling each other names when you're out on the river, your compatibility goes out the door. Yeah. So there's an also an aspect of like, how do you want to show up when yeah. you're in this arrangement of supposedly compatibility? Yeah. Yeah. Most, most arguments seem to come from, from misunderstandings and, when you're compatible, you know, one of the compatibility factors is that some people, we all think, we all feel, and we all act. And some people do that in different orders. Some people are feel first, you know, so they go into a room and they're feeling out, you know, what the energy's like before they, before they go over and talk to somebody. And other people, like they come in and they're like, so how are you doing? Where you been? You know, what's your name? What, you know, who do you work for? And then once they get the information from somebody, then they can drop into their feelings and they're like, oh, now I feel safe and open hearted and I can be more vulnerable with you and, and we can have dinner together. When people have opposite communication processes, it, it's a place for conflict. Because what happens is one person thinks that the other person is, is too heady and, and they're, they're wanting to drop right into the information and find out what we're doing and where we're going and how we're going to get there. And the other person just wants to, hey, make sure we're connected, make sure there's harmony, make sure we, we're simpatico here before, before we do anything else. And that can be a, a major place of contention because the one person really is looking for information in order to feel right. safe and the other person is looking for heart connection in order to feel safe. So if you're with somebody who's a similar com- uh, communication process as you, there's less opportunities for, the, for that to be a place of, of conflict. What do you do with uh, fostering and letting people understand that connection is so important? Because people can connect through communication, but also my experience is we can work through the opposite way. There's ways to connect so that we will communicate better, You know, whether it's a physical touch holding hands and then the system the physical system starts to come down to a calm 
thought processes of how we think about the other person is so vital before we communicate with people. Yeah, you know, Marshall Rosenberg says that the the two most important human needs that we have is to be seen and to be able to contribute to the meaning of somebody else's life, to be able to contribute in a meaningful way. So regardless of whether or not you're compatible, regardless of, of whether or not you think that this person has potential to be a partner or you're in a relationship that feels like it's in a stalemate, being able to put yourself in a place of presence with the other person, like you and I are right now talking to each other and it's a back and forth and it's respectful and I'm able to, to put myself in your shoes mm. and just be able to feel and experience what you're, what you're experiencing in a way that, that allows you to feel seen and, and to know that what you're saying to me has meaning and is contributing in some way. Marshall Rosenberg is one of my heroes. And you know, another thing that he says is that, is that from nonviolent communication, from, yep. uh, yeah, compassionate mm-hmm. communication. And he says that when there's conflict, there's not a right or a wrong. It's a tragic expression of an unmet need. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love to tell people purpose for conflict is to get understanding. Yeah. That's why we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if somebody tells you no, you know, I could take it personally and think the person doesn't love me or care about me or they're trying to be an obstacle to where I'm wanting to go. Or I can say, wow, this person is really setting a boundary for themselves and saying what they what they can do and what they can't do. And I really want to honor and appreciate that in this person because I don't want them to say yes and not really mean it. You know, that's where the resentment starts to build. Mm-hmm. So being able to put myself in your shoes and be able to really deeply listen and reflect back to you what you're saying that's probably the number one relationship skill that, that, that I like to, like to teach. Mm-hmm. So going from a conscious dating to some form of a conscious commitment to even conscious divorce. You know, I work with people, and you do too, when a relationship is ending, which relationships do. I tell people, you know, relationships have a lifetime. Could be one week or it could be 50 years. They have a lifetime. One of us is going to die, even so that it has a lifetime. So a lot of people have a really hard time bringing the consciousness into that separation. And I'm imagining that if there's conscious dating, conscious commitment, and for some aspect of a conscious decision to no longer be in the relationship, then that's going to be uh, a good segue for the ability to consciously separate and divorce. But do you work with people that haven't done that process up front? And now they're trying to do a conscious divorce. I do. And that's a hard one for people, especially right away. Sometimes it takes six months to a year for people to lick their wounds and get to a place where they can reflect back and start to see the things that they contributed to the misunderstanding and be able to see the beauty of the things that they gained from the relationship. But wow, there's nothing more beautiful when that uncoupled couple can come back together again and wash each other's feet right. and just appreciate what they had with each other and and leave it in a place of, of beauty. It is. It's so wonderful. And it's a rarity because there's times where I know that one person is rushing the closure and the other person, like you're saying, I, I need time. I need that that months to be able to come back out of my, my bell got wrong and to be able to look my own wounds, to have that perspective. I want to be able to have a positive perspective on our relationship. Right now, I don't. And another person is pushing that that closure to happen too soon. And yeah. that's a tragedy when that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's where the self love can start is when we start to to take back the judgments that we have of the other person and recognize that there was there was a part that we played in it too. Mm-hmm. That's part of the conscious dating part. We were talking earlier that one big part of consciously dating is to really learn from your past relationship, the stuff that didn't work out, the breakups and to yeah. be able to love yourself for yeah. hopefully the next one. Yeah. 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 I would have never been able to get to the place where I'm at now if I had to said, wow, I don't want that. And yeah. I don't want that. And I don't want that. And I'm really clear now that yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't like the way I showed up that way. I don't like the way that I was that way. Yeah. Yeah. How long of a process was that for you between your last relationship and the one that you're committed in now? It was a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that that was like the best work that you've done on yourself? It was for sure. In past relationships, I at the most had maybe a month between them. And because I was feeling so lonely, I jumped right back into another relationship. So I really came to terms with some of my my childhood wounding and you know my my original abandonment which was my father leaving when I was was younger and and I remember when that partner and I broke up <laughs> I probably cried for 9 months just I was a, <laughs> I was a contractor and I remember one time I was on top of an excavator you know doing some some backhoeing and and I ran out of diesel fuel and I just, I just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> crying all the way to the gas station. <laughs> hmm. And, you know, I talked to some people and they're like, it seems like the amount of grieving you're doing about the, the relationship was seven years, which you know, it's significant. But it seemed like the amount of grieving that I'm doing is way over, uh, over committed to the time frame that I was in the relationship. And, and yeah, I was, I was, I was grieving the loss of my father. Hmm. And that was something that, you know, hadn't happened. And you think grieving the loss of your father, how do you think that benefited you when you entered into the relationship with Aviana? I, I got to a place where I no longer needed my father to, to be there in order mm. to, to not be lonely. Mm-hmm. I came home to myself. I, I reframed my relationship with myself where I, at that point, became my own father, my own brother, my own lover, my own companion, my own teacher, my own, uh, the word I like to use is my higher self. I gave, mm. I, I got in touch with, with an aspect of me that was, was like my God self that, that I was able to be blessed by and crawl up in, in his lap and be loved. And mm. so I have a place inside of me now that I can go to. So that that's no longer a void. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're not looking to her to, to fill that. No. Right. No. Yeah. Does gender play any difference in what you see with people when they think about conscious dating and how perhaps masculine or feminine energy go, goes about that pursuit of consciously dating? You know, tradi- traditionally seems like um you know women are are more in in the softer role more intuitive more in their hearts and and men tend to be more assertive and you know moving into the world moving forward and and yet when you know when the 60s hit you know all those gender roles just kind of got 
got shattered and women started showing up more, more masculine, more assertive. And, you know, men started joining men's groups and dropping into their feelings and revealing their heart more. And, and so I think what's, what's more important than what gender we are, it's what defense we take on, Mm. you know, you know, sometimes soft, open-hearted women might take on a more masculine defense because you know, they, they weren't seen as a woman. So they, they force themselves to show up more assertive in their lives than what really they feel comfortable doing. And men, I think, do the same thing too. You know, sometimes well, we get a, a bad rap for, for being assertive and making decisions and moving things forward. And so we might put on a, a, a softer defense, you know, and, and try, try to smooth the edges in the way we show up so that we're not rejected as well. So I think it's it's more about being authentic right. than whether or not we fall into a particular role. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, now with, with you know, as many attractions that are cross-gender and mm-hmm. it's really a hard place to go back to that there's there's a particular way men show up or a way, way women yeah, it's show just up. Yeah, let everybody show up just with their humanness. Just who you are. Yeah, just bring that humanness with who you are. Yeah. Yeah, and feel good about showing who you are and yeah. not having it being constantly approved of. So I'm wondering, is there people that, let's say, have finished a relationship that now are hesitant but a little ready to explore the world of relationships? What kind of offerings do you give them about now entering into conscious dating after they've gone through their break us up? and some of their dysfunctions? Yeah, three things. The first is, is self-forgiveness. The second is self-love. And then the third is, is slow it down. Just mm-hmm. slow the process <laughs> completely down mm-hmm. and really take your time to explore the things that you're passionate about. Take up some of those hobbies that you've always been wanting to do and allow yourself to make friends in those, those arenas. You know, instead of putting yourself on a mission, like gotta find my right. next partner. Yeah. Just just be yourself and, and allow it to allow it to come. Be somebody that you would want to date. That you'd want to date. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Because, you know, Aviana and I were we we've got a, a, a wedding date plan for this summer and we we both know that regardless of, of the ceremony, that if being together isn't producing something even bigger and better than than we are together that that we'll go separate ways mm. because we love each other and we love ourselves that much we know that that i know that i'm not going to find myself curled up in a ball on the bed again you know wanting to disappear mm. because i don't have that person there to complete me anymore so for all you out there that's venturing on it Go love yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, brother. Enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at adithemonk.com. 
This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.